and welcome to this podcast. Uh, I guess today I'm kind of going to be talking about Chicano identity and how it is expressed um, or formed uh, through historical fashion on Instagram. So yeah, let's just get right into it. So when I had endeavored to kind of look at the online Chicano community, um, kind of use historical fashion as a way of identifying um, within their culture, uh, I thought that I would find a really big amount of people who are online um, on Instagram. That's actually the site that I kind of use as the basis of my ethnography. Um, and what I was really surprised to find is that there, there isn't like a very big online community for, for this community that actually exists within the physical realm. Um, I mean, there are hashtags that are used um, and there are common accounts that are followed, typically local businesses within like East Los Angeles, as well as in El Paso, Texas. Um, but there's really kind of, for want of a better word, a, a kind of lack of community online that kind of centers around this whole Chicano identity that is expressed through historical fashion like Pachuco style or like Chola style. Um, so this was kind of surprising for me. I thought I was really going to find a lot more um, data, but unfortunately it was it was quite the opposite. This is El Paso, El Pachuco, originated here in El Paso, and it was a way of, of representing So what I kind of first looked at was actually um, a couple of hashtags. Um, I looked at hashtag Chola, hashtag Chola style. I looked at uh, Pachuca, Pachuca style, Pachuco. Uh, hashtag Pachuco was actually kind of really is what kind of like made me kind of realize that perhaps I was coming at this, um, approaching this topic really just on the wrong platform. Um, so if you look up Pachuco, um, there's about 43,000 posts, which in and of itself is a fairly small amount. Um, and within this post, you'll see um, pretty much exactly what you'd expect to see. There's a lot of old photographs from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. There's a lot of um, male <laughs> participants. They're typically, you know, kind of dressed in like actually more what I, of what I would describe as like a cholo style. The Dickies shorts, some black Chuck Taylors, high socks, um, completely tatted up. There's a lot of people um, kind of posing with their lowrider bicycles or with their um, kind of, you know, lowrider, um, customized cars. Um Again, a lot of like kind of vintage and retro photos or even, re you know, like um, reproductions, like people kind of recreating those classic like photos of pachucas and pachucos. But, you know, that's obviously a modern day. There's a lot of art 
which I think is really interesting and cool, especially considering um, kind of what was going on in like the, the 80s and the 90s with like cholas and cholos. There was a lot of kind of zines that were being produced that talked about neighborhoods and gangs and different barrios and and different members and kind of just really centered around the community. And that's kind of what I was hoping to find online. I was hoping to kind of see these kinds of communities interacting more online. But really it's it's kind of like taking this this like physical community that really exists within these kind of areas um, with more of a narrow focus on Los Angeles. And of course, again, in El Paso, where like Pachuco style kind of originated. Um, and kind of get, like trying to kind of see them online is really difficult, mostly because there's a couple of limitations. Um, you know, those kind of situational variables that come into play in regards to like number of participants, um, the demographic, and then of course like the setting of all of this. So one of those limitations for me was age. There's really just kind of more young people online and that means that kind of the people who are passing down these traditions, the older people within families, like the, the great, the, you know, the grandparents, the parents, you know, tios and tias, they're not really on face or they're not really on Instagram. They're not participating the same way that, you know, the younger people are. So it's kind of hard to to get like a really kind of clear perspective when you're when you're really kind of limited in regards to the the age, the general or the median age of the people who are interacting online. Um and then again, just kind of the number of of people participating in the hashtag. Like if you go to Chola, there's actually um, quite a few more um, people who are kind of participating in this. It looks like uh, about 300,000. And you'll see kind of similar things to the Pachuco, Pachuco hashtag. There's a lot of art. There's a lot of people, you know, pr- um, participating in the style. And then you kind of also see a lot of people who are like imitating the, the, the Chola style who aren't actually cholas. It's kind of like a, almost like a cultural appropriation that's taking place online. People are kind of stealing these style ideas that have been in existence um, for tens of years. Um, and they're just kind of recreating it for, for you know, Instagram because it's trendy or, or it looks cool or it's, you know, getting a lot of likes. And they really don't have like the the cultural background that kind of ties them to this hashtag, nor do they really kind of have the the cultural identity um, that a lot of these people who are using this hashtag really aren't identifying as Chicano. Um, they're just kind of using it because it's trendy and, and, you know, interesting and it's garnering lots of likes. I think people that try to take our culture or try to find a fashion trend in it are really like cutting corners with it. Like it's very close to our hearts. But other people, they just think it like looks cool or it's like really bad or really colorful or like it looks edgy or something. But it's like a lot of hard work and a lot of creativity goes into it. And it's like generations of something that they're just like stealing from us. I think it's really kind of interesting that we we talk a lot about a culture like cultural appropriation um, when it comes to thing like things like bindis, saris, cornrows, but we kind of never really talk about how Chicano identity is so tied to these kind of um, iconographic items, things like rosaries and 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 big hoops and particular makeup styles, and and we don't really talk about how kind of 
Chola and Cholo style kind of developed out of like Pachuco style. It was kind of just like a modern iteration that took hold, um, I think right in like the late 80s and early 90s when when to dress very Pachuco was just a little bit too extreme and, and kind of hard to pull off every day. I mean, I know I used to dress like kind of pinup um, for like a whole year and kind of getting up early and like doing the, the curls and the makeup and the whole outfit, it's it's... It's tiring and it's a lot of work so I feel like the kind of cholo and chola style developed not only kind of around the ease of the clothing um, pared down very simple items things like dickies um, the white tank tops plaid shirts bandanas um, all kind of slightly oversized again mimicking that kind of oversized look of like the, the pachuco suit um, yeah, we don't really talk about that much. The fact that people are kind of appropriating and taking from this Chicano identity and kind of claiming it as this almost trendy kind of thing that exists like on Instagram. I mean, I kind of like didn't really grow up with a very strong um, um, Latino kind of background. Like I always felt like I was kind of divided because my mom is half white. And so kind of figuring out where I, I identify was always really tricky because I never felt white and nor do I look white and never really felt, you know, Latina enough to be like, yeah, I'm Latina. But it was really interesting because my sister for the longest time, like really kind of adhered to the very Jola style. She had the eyebrows and she had the hair and she had the style and she, you know, loved the music and, and her name's Angelica, but everyone always called her Angel Baby. And and I mean, I always called her Jelly. To me, she was always Jelly Belly. But kind of like seeing her find her identity and kind of finding her own culture within this kind of way of dressing was really interesting to watch from such a young age because I, I didn't I didn't understand it. Um, and she really always strongly identified as Mexican. She was always like, yes, I'm Mexican. And, and I, I didn't really kind of become exposed to this kind of idea of identifying oneself until later in life, which I think happens with most people. And just kind of watching my sister find her, her identity um, in the way that so many people find it through through music and through their friends and and kind of looking back at like Mexican-American history and, and, and finding this, this kind of, um, this, this like strong connection to everything that, that, that happened and, and feeling very impacted. And even if you weren't there, if you weren't there during like the Zoot Suit Riots and you weren't part of like a Pachuca girl gang, like you still kind of realize that that's your history. You know, that's, that's a part of you that exists within that cultural identity. One thing that really surprised me again about this community is that it kind of there are these like overlapping structures so you kind of have like pachuca style and then that kind of bleeds into chola style just a little bit but there's also this whole other realm of like mexican americans latinos who are dressing purely pinup and greaser and they're kind of inspired by pachucas and pachucos but they're not exactly labeling themselves as that they label themselves as greasers and pinups kind of really pulling from the iconography of like the 50s, which was really more of a white America thing um, and less about kind of Mexican-Americans. 
My name is Cindy Valadez, and I'm here representing modern-day Pachucas. With my family, the Valadez family, we also represent the Imperial family, Imperial Car Clubs of East LA. My dad is the original owner of the Gypsy Rose, which is world-famous. I'm Esperanza, Espi Bandera. I'm both Mexican and Cuban. I am from LA. I was actually born on Sunset Boulevard. I think it's very important for Latinos to know about the Pachucos and Pachucas, to know about what happened to them, you know, the injustice the racism and to know that we come from very strong people which then kind of leaves us with this whole question of of history and where like the the, the pachuca style really comes from and and of course we talk about the zoot suit riots and we we talk about how um, mexican americans were kind of rebelling against the societal norms of this whole country that was at war and was urging us to be patriotic and and to be patriotic meant that you had to be white and had to conform to certain norms and and then we had these riots happen and, and we had people kind of trying to fight against these ideas and doing that and protesting through fashion, which was such an interesting kind of perspective, especially for people to take during the time that that they could, you know, protest in such an everyday way, you know, with with kind of, I don't know, this idea of of their bodies as like a physical protest, which I think is, is so inspiring. Denise tells me that there are political roots to that rebellious look Chicanas are famous for. Chicano identity is tied to the civil rights movement, the Chicano movement of the 1960s and 1970s. You're refusing to split, you're both Mexican and American, and now it's that style of resistance, of women empowering themselves. Tough, right? You don't want to mess with these women. Between 1940 and 42, people migrated from Mexico over here to El Paso to work on the railroad. Once they hit California, when they were coming down here to visit, they were always asked, where are you going? Para donde la llevas? And they would say, para el chuco. So how does this community exist online? How do they interact with one another? How does this community that exists so clearly in like a physical realm on the streets of East Los Angeles and then again in El Paso, Texas, how does this kind of, what does this say about, you know, the online communities that exist? Well, I mean, truthfully, like I've said, it's, it was not what I had expected. I had expected there to be a very big online community that existed and, and there is a big community, but not as big as I had thought. The majority of interactions you see between people um, who are using this hashtag and liking and sharing photos and commenting on photos, they're all very positive. It's actually quite heartwarming to see that these that there's women out there encouraging other women, telling them that they look great, that they're proud of them, they're happy for them, and I thought that was probably the most heartwarming part about it, and it really kind of reflects the truth behind these communities that exist in real life. Like, they're really there kind of to help each other out, to have each other's backs. There's a really these really kind of clear identity markers that kind of make you already feel a part of the community. Like you're kind of already at home. You know, they're, they're very open and loving and welcoming. And this kind of not only exists again in the physical realm of these communities, but also transcends very clearly online. Um, there's so much love and respect for people and there's very little kind of hatred or, or negativity that goes on with, within these interactions on Instagram. <laughs>
I think while it was kind of sad to see that such a great and beautiful community is, is really kind of hard pressed to, to truly see online, the, the research that I've done and the, the articles that I've read, I didn't want to get too caught up in the history because while the history plays a really important part in how these communities are formed and how traditions are passed down, I kind of wanted to focus on, you know, what's happening today and how these communities are identifying with their own culture and kind of paying homage to the past and the people that they've loved, like their grandparents and, and how that kind of, you know, translates into like a modern day platform like Instagram. Um, I was, again, disappointed that there weren't more things to see but after all the research I've done and the videos I've watched and and the amazing music that I've kind of got to revisit because I always grew up with oldies I mean it's really kind of amazing to see how this culture kind of just continues and and how people are so willing to kind of keep it alive and keep it going for for the you know the new generations the kids that are popping up today and and I, I, I feel comforted by that fact that, that we're really not forgetting our history. We're not forgetting where we've come from. And we're kind of creating this this identity that if you think about it, being Mexican-American hasn't really been around for that long, you know. And we've kind of always had to struggle and, and push against people who are kind of telling us that we're not American enough. And then pushing against people who are telling us that we're not Mexican enough. It's kind of like, you know, what Selena's dad says in the movie. But it's such a very true reality. And... It feels really awesome to look and see that there are people who are who are willing to kind of create this lovely kind of almost subculture that exists for Mexican-Americans, for people who really don't fit into one singular category, but can kind of create this awesome community with each other and share a bit of the history and look amazing while doing it. It's truly a dream come true. 